0: Cough, cough, splutter.
1: (laughs) Oh dear, are you croaking? Is it... uh, uh, Am I uh, doing a podcast with a frog?
0: There appears to be only one other person oozing as much effluvia as I. (laughs) And who's that? I hear you cry. Is it Jeffrey Tubin? Lady. Oh no, he never got to that well, point. Not, i
1: I, I do not sure if he reached the pop shop before he realised his crass Zoom mistake.
0: Do you know the expression that I learnt from you is vinegar strokes?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, I, I don't ben know whether Ando. he on the vinegar strokes or not.
0: <laughs> and talking so of that, that is two... Benando over there. So, but I is Victoria Hello, oh, yeah, I'm Benando. I'm a former
1: BBC journalist and I'm joined here by... Um, Victoria Mitzi, who's also a former BBC journalist. Yeah, and, and I'm does still journalistic other things.
0: occasionally. Can we um, say what
1: you do now or not? We probably can't.
0: Yes, I take my clothes off for money. I take my, people pay, hush, me, hush. pay me not to take <laughs> no, my clothes off. No, they pay you to keep
1: them on. I pay you to keep them on. I had to get there
0: before you um, did.
1: Yeah, you, did, and you certainly did. Um, so this podo, we are talking about um, <laughs> poo protesters, which sounds... Which is as funny as it sounds. We're talking about the um, the loneliest masturbator and we are also <laughs> going to have a ben second Ando. part of an interview, an interview that you did, aren't we, Victoria?
0: Yes, of Louise Charland, crime writer extraordinaire. We had a lot of positive feedback about Louise's part one and in part duh, she goes on to explore slightly different topics and, and murder in Plymouth. Which is where I'm oh, I room, reside. Plymouth, good, well, near Plymouth anyway, yeah. which is in Devon for those of our worldwide welcome our worldwide international friends. You might not know where Devon is. It's kind of on the There middle. is a
1: certain irony, isn't there, in sort of talking about podcasts which are very which are relatively new, and say tuning in, which kind of is, you know, redolent of sort of, you know, family sitting around a big sort of wooden um, wireless with a big knob on it, sort of turning it. So you know, this is London. This is London. That kind it of thing.
0: Radio expressions haven't left because if you listen to pirate radio, they actually say stuff to do with radio on their little bits and their links and bits and pieces. They do. Mm. They
1: say, tune it, turn it up, and rip the knob off. <laughs> That's what they say on local radio, right? On, say, on commercial Tune in, radio, isn't it?
0: Turn on and drop out.
1: I've actually started listening. I, I, I used to work in commercial radio. I then sort of joined, sort of got in telly, and then national radio and BBC and stuff. And I kind of stopped listening because I sort of moved over listening to Radio Four and Radio Two and all the rest of it. But since. Um, Radio 2 has started Scott Mills' show in the afternoon. It is just unlistenable. This is Scott Mills. It's just so bland and awful compared to Steve Wright. Oh. It's just, I've tried. I really have tried to listen to it. I just can't. It's just so shit. This is my brand new weekday afternoon show. I and he's got no personality. to
0: say that you used to be somebody because that had to go in there somewhere. But the second bit is <laughs> that you're now complaining yeah. about... You didn't used to admit to listening to Radio 2 in your... In oh, your people carry
1: 2 <laughs> I've always listened to radio too. But no, I mean, it's just so awful. It's just pathetic. And I mean, here's an example of how shit he is. He he played some wanky Christmas song. I it was not one of the good ones. And then said, That's my second favourite Christmas song. And now I'm about to pay, play my favourite Christmas song. Now there are only two possible candidates for favourite Christmas song. One of them is You're You were Pretty Queen of New York City when, when the band band finished playing, playing
0: they, they love more.
1: The other one is So
0: Here's
2: Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah, the only two that you can possibly have as best Christmas songs ever. And it was some wank by Kelly somebody or other that I'd never even heard of. And it was just a really sort of like, kind of vanilla-y, you know, yeah, Christmas. Ben, you're in danger of becoming like a resident association
0: person now that you've stepped back from public life.
1: And the upshot of all this is that because he is so (laughs) shit, I was, and I don't do this lightly, I was forced to press the button on my DAB radio in my car and find a different channel. And I found Heart 70s. There are three channels, one called Heart 70s, one called Heart 80s, and one called Heart 90s. People know this. Did you know this? Did you know this? Yes. Anyway, the great news is, the other morning, so I'd listened to Heart 70s while Scott Mill was on. You're actually being quite charming. This morning, this morning, I put... I switched the car on and, of course, Heart 70s came out at breakfast time because it was in the morning. And it was my old friend Carlos who's now presenting Heart Breakfast, Heart 70s Breakfast. Who is Carl Carlos? He used to be... So Carlos, Carl Ms was the breakfast show DJ when I started in local radio on North Ant's uh, 96, the Hot FM, in
2: 1989. 96. You didn't he call was a, in and get a,
1: a shout-out, did you? Well uh, shout out. That's what Steve Wright would have said. Um he I did go and see him because he was also at um a station in Manchester uh and I I popped when I'd been up to Salford to do some work for the BBC in Manchester, I popped in to see him and we caught up. It was really nice to see him. But this is a big shout out to my friend Carlos, who is just and he's just, he is a brilliant, brilliant commercial radio DJ. There's no question. His voice is right. What he says is right. It, and he's just hes just got so much sort of like fun, ILR energy. It's just awesome. He's a great listener. Back,
0: back to the matter in hand. They should have got
1: him instead of Scott Mills. What?
0: Well, maybe we should get Carlos to come and join us. That sounds like an idea.
1: Carlos to join us.
0: Yeah, I know that a lot of our listeners,
1: all of you, yeah. The you thing is, look, look, we can't get him to join us because he's much, he's much, he's a proper professional broadcaster. He's much so, too good. He, he would totally to show to up us how shit we are.
0: Yeah, but no, no, I don't yeah, mean no, to I'm do sure that could... just to show us how to do it. He could give us, he could give you well, lessons in how to be a pop show up picker. How awful we are! But listen, uh, should... <laughs> listen, there are a lot of people who who yes. tune in to our podcast, as you well, all know, all ten of them, all ten of them overestimating the figure there a bit ben but um (laughs) sorry they're radio people we are the podcast for the radio heads but they'll be interested in this but i've had some feedback
1: can i can i croak my way into saying something croak your way through the feedback then
0: that it no actually criticism i mean feedback we prattle on too much and that's what we've just what done. We've just prattled have. on about radio. So, And I can't cut this bit okay. because there, there I am. I'm torn between our regulars and newcomers. Welcome, one and all. We're getting lots of new listeners, which is lovely. Thank you for listening. Oh,
1: nice. Desperately. Um Desperately. I take the point that we do prattle on, but that's due to sloppy editing.
0: <laughs> I just spat out my LEMSIP <laughs> and sneezed my glasses off.
1: Who, who does our editing again, remind me
0: um i can't remember who it was last
1: time which is that huge team of editors that we've got (laughs) hey what can we talk wanking
0: oh again
1: so the first story we're doing this week involves a man called jeffrey Tubin, who is a an american uh broadcaster who was on cnn as the network's chief legal analyst analist. Now you might think that's a pretty high-powered job, and as somebody who's a chief legal analyst, you might think he'd be pretty switched on when it comes to all things sort of zoomy. But anyway, he was on a Zoom call, (laughs) and he rather foolishly decided to have two Zoom calls up simultaneously. One of the Zoom calls was presumably with his colleagues in the office. Was definitely with his colleagues. Yes, clearly with somebody else because. Listening to that Zoom call, he suddenly took out his cock and started masturbating openly. Calm down. <laughs> I mean, I imagine some of the sort of CNN colleagues who were sort of sitting on this Zoom watching him suddenly looking at the other screen and wanking must have thought maybe they just turned up at sort of like New York Zoo or something and looking at the chimpanzee enclosure.
2: Disgusting. With a
1: group of school children around them. A group? Uh, at, at least he didn't start throwing his own shit at the screen.
0: No, that's the next story.
1: <laughs> but, but he started masturbating with his and colleagues at the uh, New apparently Yorker. Apparently, he did not intend his colleagues to witness it. And when, yeah, that's what they all when say. he heard about it, when he when when it was reported on, Tubin said he had made an embarrassingly stupid mistake, believing I was off camera. <laughs> an embarrassingly stupid masturbate, believing I was off camera. I mean, and in, and he was and the New Yorker, who he also wrote for, sacked him uh, after a month. Uh, but now he's back on CNN. And he's, he 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 acknowledged on Thursday when he returned to the air that not everyone would welcome seeing him back. I live in the world, he said. <clears throat> I know social media what the reactions are likely to be. I hope they will at least be mixed. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, the funny thing is though. I mean, okay, so nobody wants to see sort of a middle-aged man get his cock out and start masturbating, but. I mean, we all do it, don't we? It's just, it wasn't Did that he was masturbating. It was just he picked the wrong moment, I suppose. It's all about timing, isn't it, these things?
0: That's right. Yeah, that could lead to a conviction or not. Yes, you're quite right. Yeah, absolutely. I like it's the all fact about that timing. He, I like the fact that he's only, like, grovelling and saying that he's trying to be a better person in order to kind of claw back his his old Trying to job. be a better
1: wanker. He's trying yeah. to, he's trying to I'm polish try, I'm it. i trying to be a better masturbator.
0: A flawed human being... Who's and he yeah. he said his conduct when he was talking to Jay Leno, his conduct was deeply moronic. I like that. Deeply moronic. You can imagine a judge saying that. <laughs> but hang on, let me just go to the oh, nitty-gritty I'm... of this, which you say everybody does it. It'll make you go blind, you know.
1: They should have got him a big pair of boxing gloves as a sort of welcome back <laughs> present. <laughs>
0: uh, you have to put them on for every Zoom meeting.
1: <laughs> you think, of, press the buttons on your computer <laughs> with your boxing gloves on. He obviously thought his other Zoom call had ended. And I wonder how, I mean, I've heard a few of these where people have sort of been caught out, not realizing that they're still live on a different Zoom call, thinking that one's ended and they're on a much more intimate, shall we say, Zoom call. And suddenly, you know, cocks are out, tits are out, people stand up just wearing their pants or something. It's just, I don't know, the Is that dangers what happens of Zoom. To you? Yeah, all the time, obviously. I know, this is the only Zoom call. Okay, now I sometimes do Zoom calls with my um my other colleagues in, in my sort of little train business, but broadly speaking, this is the only Zoom call I ever do, and I I've tried really hard not to masturbate. <laughs> what?
0: With your cock in your trousers?
1: Yeah, i kept it in. Absolutely. Well, it's I've all, got no all pants on. In. All is safety Just go on my other Zoom. <laughs> and the winter storms begin. <laughs> Did you say you've got no pants on? But red shoes, no knickers. <laughs>
0: I'm taking a Sharon Stone over here. No one mentions God. her anymore. There's no Nicholas women in public anymore.
1: And that's a damn shame, isn't it? <laughs> can,
0: can I well, Who also... were the
1: famous Nicholas women then? Do you know there was Nicholas a spate Neckleby. of it?
0: <laughs> there was a spate of it. <laughs> um when do you remember britney spears was nicholas as well
1: <laughs> wasn't that the whole i mean the thing is but upskirting is now illegal because the the paparazzi used to stand right next to the cab low down and as the sort of the the starlet used to sort of open her legs to get out of the cab they'd usually get a flash of crotch and if with an adroit sort of bit of a finger click and the old flash gun going off they could usually tell pretty quickly if the uh the, the lucky lady in question had decided to pop on a thong or not
0: Pop on a thong thong. Pop on a
1: thong under her sarong. (laughs)
0: Hey, um, I think it might be time to, before Louise time. Oh, oh,
1: Brittany Mound Alert.
0: Oh, hang on, hang on. We were talking about Pantless. Who was the other Pantless person? Sharon Stone. And then since then, there's been... Yeah, Sharon
1: Stone in Basic Instinct, where she crossed her legs and showed her class.
0: But you don't see very much on that. What? you, see, you just see a I suppose, bit I suppose maybe it's considered
1: to be very, very very sort of 90s now and a bit passé.
0: Oh, I see. It's not in to show off your vag. Well, well, I don't don't know.
1: Know. What are you sir? Are you, you know, Well, are I was you, hoping you to show on this other else. Zoom
0: that I'm pretending I'm not on. <laughs> <laughs> no one's looking. Nobody cares.
1: Isn't there in, in Love Actually, there's a bit where Alan Rickman's character is seduced by his secretary and she shows him a vag. She sits there with her legs agape, doesn't she? Was her name Legsa Kimbo? <laughs> Legsa Kimbo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come here, Miss Kimbo. <laughs> Miss Legsa Kimbo.
0: I like to come, call her Lexa. Come and take
1: a letter. <laughs> take down your drawers.
0: But have you noticed, though, since then, that's been an awfully long time of no public vag?
1: The strange thing is I hadn't noticed, but now I'm going to see no public vag everywhere I look. <laughs> Are you
0: going to go on the poo protest with your I want more vag placard? <laughs> <laughs>
1: My little balloon.
0: Spot the lonely masturbator.
1: (laughs) Quite yeah. (laughs) Talking of lonely masturbators, come on. What do you? I want you. I want to hear your story now.
0: I want to mention before I forget. God. Oh no, sorry.
1: Can you edit that cough out?
0: That's disgusting. I know. Um, Is the Epstein papers, which um, we want to do in our next podo. So we will be doing that because that's been kindly suggested to me, and there are some really interesting offshoots. And you know how we featured Epstein. If you're interested, go back to past episodes. I'd say go back about ten, fifteen episodes, and you'll be there. Um, Vicky Ward, wasn't it? She was telling us all about Vicky Ward. Was really him good. Him threatening yeah. her unborn twins and such vileness. So on to Devon Pooh protesters. Pooh protesters unveiled plaque to Tory MP who voted to dump sewage in the river. Furious swimmers gathered outside the Conservative Club in Totnes, round my neck of the woods, in protest at the vote by MP Anthony Magnell against requiring improved sewage systems from southwest water. There's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, and these people have been getting a <laughs> mouthful, an earful, you name it. Protesters in swimming oh. gear and holding poo emojis aloft <laughs> the one up, dressed so can...
1: as a big poo. Oh, we I like, like the, the, poo, big the poo. I like the um the, the person who's dressed as a big poo. But I, a I, I know on. I
0: jest, but people here are really up in arms, up in poos, up in <laughs> holding poos aloft about this. People are really cross. We're all getting ill because of the disgusting logs floating around in the bog.
1: If you fell in that river and you couldn't swim, you'd just have to go through the motions.
0: <laughs> Raw sewage <laughs> being discharged into the river dart. It's disgusting. Raw a furious group, I like that, the furious group unveiled a blue plaque to local Tory MP, MP, MP Magnol. It's been con- a brown
1: plaque really, shouldn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> commemorating his vote against requiring improved sewage systems and a reduction in the harm caused by untreated sewage discharge, uh, untreated sewage discharges. I love that word. Um, discharge. Many of those gathered to protest said they'd become ill after swimming in the river. Or at local beaches in Devon. The demonstration followed an increasing number of sewage alerts placed on this is very recent. <laughs> and people are swimming brown all alert, year round. Brown alert,
1: here. a wooga, a, wooga, a wooga, brown alert.
0: Yeah. Disgusting. Different to an inland brown alert.
1: <laughs> the River Shart, which runs through his constituency, is one of the most popular swimming places for wild swimming in the country. <laughs>
0: so yeah, naughty old Mr. But I mean, if you go
1: through if you go wild swimming Surely you expect to get the shit. I mean, not in the face, but, you know, subsequently because you're ill. Really? My friend, a a former colleague of mine, um, Kevin Murphy from IRN, he he was a very successful cross-channel swimmer. And he swam the channel many times. And he even swam from uh, the Mull of Kintyre to Northern Ireland. But he also once swam up the Thames. And he said he had the shits for, I say the shits solidly, but they weren't solid. But he had the shits for about six days solidly afterwards.
0: That's disgusting. So what is it literally? Because they they don't spell that out, because I presume they don't need to. But it's literally you are drinking poo and wee. That's what's happening.
1: Yeah, of course you are. That's exactly what you're doing. But you know when you smell somebody's fart? Yes. Well, what, what do you think is the physical process that is happening there?
0: Gas release.
1: Yeah but what, and what is yeah but gas is just gas. I mean methane would all smell the same but people's farts smell differently. Why is that do you think?
0: Cuz they eat different stuff.
1: Yes. And so what is what are you smelling exactly?
0: Their food destroyers. What is
1: going into your nose? Your massive nose.
0: <laughs> um they put the far the food detritus and guts yes, which is gut stuff. which is
1: and, that, and that's poo, isn't it? It's shit.
0: Right. Oh, it's poo going in your nose when someone farts.
1: Yeah, because the, what you can <laughs> smell, obviously the, most of it cope. is just gas. But a lot of it is t- to get the actual flavour, if you like. It's tiny particles, tiny airborne particles of poo. That's what you're smelling. <gasps> they go in your nose and settle. Oh! So every time you sniff a fart, just think I've sniffed a big lungful of poo. Oh, no.
0: But kids attack you with their farts. So yeah, the, of course, I mean, yeah. Of yeah of but but, 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 but I
1: can't what happened to it? Okay, what what happens when you, when you when you smell your cat's poo or a dog's poo? <laughs> I exactly. do that place. Yeah.
0: Hey, listen. This is quite I'm going Go to get on. to the serious bit now. Have in you seen November, the family. Listen, have you seen the family standing there with the toilet rolls?
1: Yeah, yeah. I do. This is local people in local papers, isn't it? Where the photographer said, "Look, hold up the toilet rolls and look perplexed and slightly angry."
0: Okay, like, defra- Dad's
1: really got into it, hasn't he? Yes,
0: he's really scrunched up face. He looks like he's doing a poo. Yeah,
1: earlier this month, he, it was- does, he does look like he's about. He does look like he's bursting for shit. That's true.
0: You didn't let me finish. That was Go reported defecation min- minister. Trudy Harrison admitted that beach closures were not being monitored. Speaking to Parliament at the start of November, she said neither DEFRA nor the Environment Agency holds information on the number of beach closures due to sewage pollution in England. That's vile. This is really disgusting. It's
1: disgusting, isn't it?
0: And um, one of the people here, Dr Jo Rose, local resident, um, said our family got sick, and she's Dr Joe Rose, 12 hours of continuous vomiting. <laughs> God, it's like doing a podcast with you, Ben.
1: Yeah, all your thoughts <laughs> from here. Absolutely, and they're reasty ones. Okay, well, there's the poo protest. That is really horrible, though, isn't it? I mean, the whole the whole thing. It's just it's just why are we so literally <laughs> shit at just keeping stuff clean? Why would you vote against this? I don't understand. Why would you not vote to keep it clean? Yeah, it's no envir- reason, is It's
0: an environmental story. It's not rocket science, but a torpedo may be the result.
1: <laughs> I like the photo of Labour parliamentary candidate Louise Webberley holding up a cardboard cutout of a poo with little eyes and a mouth open and a tongue sticking out. It's like a sort of a um, one of those sort of, uh, kind of like a poo. The eyes are slightly crossed as well. What, what is that thing that that's that meme that? Aogahu, isn't it, where sort of the, the sort of the cosplay girls sort of look up with their eyes crossed and stick their tongues out.
0: I don't know. You hang out with too many young people these days, Ben. Clearly.
1: <laughs> Apparently I do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In playgrounds, you know. he will be punished at the ballot box, this article on Devon Live finishes. <laughs> MP Anthony Magnol didn't respond to their request for contact.
1: Well, no, there, there, there's a surprise,
0: Mm. We're a bit sad, aren't we, that, that the motivation for including this article is because they've got cardboard cutouts for poos and there was an enormous giant dancing poo, not our commitment to the environment. But why DLMF <laughs> does poo. I didn't I, I just saw
1: this I just saw the still photo of the poo. I wasn't sure that the poo actually danced. Did it dance?
0: Yes, it's got a person in it. It's a living poo. A piece of, a
1: piece of poo.
0: It's dancing. <laughs> <laughs> It's got little feet out the bottom. <laughs> but you may laugh. I've, been wrong, I've, put, your I've put your name down. It's doing the trot, trot. I've put your name down to go to the next protest and they're, they're looking for somebody to dress up as a big log.
1: It's doing the chode, chode, chode.
0: <laughs> right, OK, from 12 Hours of Continuous Vomiting. Let's move on to murder in Plymouth.
1: Murder in Plymouth. Now, who are we talking to?
0: We are talking to Louise Charland in this part of the interview talks about becoming a writer so you may want to um listen. <laughs> you may want to prick up your ears
1: <laughs> well, that, that suggests I might want to become a writer
0: <laughs> but she she won the big issue literary competition. So we've got writing tips and what you realize about this woman is that she's creative, she's hardworking. And she's funny. She's really my kind of woman. so let's let's listen to crime writer extraordinaire Louise Charland.
2: In the book, I deal with violence against women. I'm quite um that interests me and how society views that and how it still continues to happen. And the still and one of the reasons that inspired the book was I got fed up of these. Books. And you do still see it in Scandi Noir quite a bit, where you know the two girl, the girl comes out of the pub or off the bus and wearing high heels and a skirt, and then there's a white man, and the next day there's a dismembered body in a field. And I just got really fed up about this idea, you know, sens- sensationalizing murders of women. And Well, um, oh, that's also- interesting. I don't know that much about it, but the only things, what, what were they called, the, the trilogy? Um, uh, the girl with the dragon uh, tattoo. That's it. Um, I but, did my I did my uh, master's. Um it wasn't a thesis because our thesis was in novels, but I did mine on misogyny in contemporary crime fiction. And in that book, I looked at the girl with the dragon tattoo. And Lisbeth is described as childlike with childlike breasts, and she has happy meals. She eats happy meals and she has a, a kind of guardian and she the protagonist still sleeps with her you know so there's a little bit of creepy stuff going on but so. wasn't he a paedophile who Henry? oh i don't know one of the um oh yes in the book one of the guardians was it yes i quite um, quite remember yeah the um one of the family members, yeah, who who he investigates, the the journalist. But
0: I, I still... found it interesting that the sort of premise for those were was that it was raising the awareness of violence against women, and I thought that was bold. You know, I think the Scandinavians have a reputation for being quite bold. I'm I'm of Scandi descent. Are you? <laughs> Long are <were you laughs> just finding it out? But, actually, you know, it could be.
2: Actually, that's a really good point because. That kind of leads back to your point about why women are interested in true crime. So, is it that they're exploiting it, or is it that they're highlighting crime in their own society? Make a buck out of it, then. You no, know, because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I was really, I just thought, oh, I'm just tired of seeing women being murdered yeah. for someone's book. But that's what crime stories are about, really. So, that's what we're exploring—the kind of things that happen and things that go against society the norm and what makes someone do that
0: well we're all thinking about it to some extent yeah aren't we so you're tapping into people <laughs> really I always like guys doesn't it really now two crimes massive even I mean the BBC and you'll you'll be listening to kind of the shipping forecast and two seconds later someone's going Oh, listen to this sounds. Yeah, the podcast. Thing. Yeah, They always look quite sanitised, though. They sound quite... I don't really... I try and go for indies because I think there are so many kind of quirky good ones that I try and listen around the place. I
2: think it offers a lot of material for a creative, like a director or a producer or a writer. And it's unexpected. I mean, who would have thought? If, you, if I wrote, wrote a book 20 years ago about a man who kept his daughter locked in the basement and had five children with her no one would have believed it but it happened you know so it is it's almost like the the spectrum of human behavior i wonder if it's something to do with our modern society where everything is so kind of organized and compartmentalized and we're monitored if if we're curious about people that break through or behave Mm. objectively. Interesting you
0: should say that because I was talking to a friend today about the Botox thing (laughs) and talking about how that women were starting to look the same and I'm particularly you know I, I find it concerning when you're wanting to change yourself in a way which is slightly bizarre you know that okay that's a judgment too much but yeah. I think that if women are becoming young women are looking generic so that seems almost like a sort of caricature or a standardized version of the female face now with these big lips and the drawn on
2: and and the, and the really you know for women my age which that filler those fillers that I've just got natural fillers unfortunately but um you know oh, it's just... the best way it really <laughs> is <isn't. laughs> I don't but have to I mean, work
0: harder on that one at all. <laughs> but I, I
2: just always think, well, what's happened that, I mean, if that makes someone feel good, go for it. No judgment. But yeah. people that feel that, yeah, they have to do that. And, you know, my, my daughter's 28. She's beautiful. Her skin's the best it's ever going to be in her life. And And I think, please don't have Botox because this is your moment, you know? Just Mm. why is society making what women still aren't free? (laughs) You know, no. But I
0: wonder if it's literally a a standardized, a united front of of female, really that that, and through these kind of cracks in this homogeneity or whatever the correct word would be, comes these horrors and these things that we're trying to shake ourselves up and feel things. Even that stuff is literally stopping your expression. You yeah. know, and, and I don't think, as you say, it's it's great if someone feels good, but when it only is, you know, I want to look like her, I just yeah. kind of think, oh, you know, we used to spend, although we spent our teenage years wanting to all look the same, I suppose. We, did, yeah. and, we all, and I thought I was so different. But I
2: just- <laughs> Well, I would just think, couldn't there be a point in our, in our lives where, I suppose, because so much is about presenting yourself in social media, you know, the, how you look, how people make a lot of money. I was doing some research into only fans, actually, because um, it's one of the areas I wanted to explore for one of my books. and And, you know, people that make a lot of money on how they look, though, there's controversy because the people that do make a lot of money are few and far between quite honestly but okay. we i guess we're visual we're a visual species maybe i know a girl who i wonder if she's going to listen
0: to this um, but she doesn't this is the first time i sort of i said what's that thing called only fans and then she said yeah i i used to she's quite straight-laced
2: yeah. she used to sell
0: pictures and fantasies of her feet yes on it well, she said he, she used to.
2: No, people make thousands. Um, but I'm quite interested in, is it empowerment? Because, yeah, you're making a lot of money, but or do you still, yeah. or objectification, do you still yeah. become a commodity still once again? Hmm. Um, well, someone's got to be able to afford to buy a house these well, days. That's why I don't, I mean, when I, all these things I'm saying, I hope I don't come across as judgmental. They're questions for me rather than a judgment, because I suppose if I could make two thousand pounds a month selling my toenail clippings, I'm not sure I wouldn't do it. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I'm not sure she's selling her toenail <laughs> clippings. <please. laughs> Although
0: maybe you've hit on something else. <laughs> Let me have a look at my list of questions. We've gone okay. so far. I don't know if I've actually asked you any of them. It doesn't matter. Ah, please.
2: Plymouth? Yes. I wanted to ask you about being here. I think what interests me Plymouth, about Plymouth is the diversity. It is a city that's built around the Navy. Yes. So it has a migrant community. Uh, yes, I, would say, I would say it's generally a working class environment. Uh, there's a lot of poverty. When I was doing, I remember doing a, a presentation for my MA and I was doing on setting. And I had a a slide, we did like a PowerPoint, and I had a a slide of Pirate Day, Pirate Weekend in Plymouth, you know, and come down, it was all great and fun. Then I found something from Public Health England, which said that Plymouth has some of the highest teenage pregnancy, highest admissions for drug and alcohol to hospital, highest literacy rates. So I was showing like the tourist image aside from the public health. But that's what I love about Plymouth. Plymouth is really interesting, diverse, it is the friendliest place I've been in this country. People will—you can talk to anyone in the street, in a queue at Tesco's. I'm pretentious, but there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of deprivation, and there is violence um, in the Barbican area. There's lots of spiking going on. There've been rapes, so it is like any large city. There, you know, there's a undercurrent bubbling of violence. I think. Mm.
0: And um, Facebook's an interesting one for that. You find, you know, along with can anybody recommend a dog sitter on this, the Gossip Girls site is quite, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that uh, piques your interest. I did. I did
2: try (laughs) to um, see if I could find someone on OnlyFans that I could talk to and interview. On um, there, that, they, that, speak, yeah. they wouldn't post it. Yeah, um, but it wasn't judgmental. I, I really wanted. I want the viewpoint of women that think it is empowerment versus objectification. When
0: it's- I start selling my toenails, <laughs>
2: <laughs> let me know. I shall
0: speak to you. <laughs> but, and, um, um, just for anyone who doesn't know, actually, the Gossip Girls site is something that when I started working at the BBC here, they were all getting stories of. <laughs> This yeah. site, and you think we've got all the wires, access to this kind of huge like, global news system. And they there's like girl.
2: thirty-three thousand people on Plymouth God. I quite like it for the bits where they say, "Oh, it's a really nice person." I, I tripped over in Asda's and they helped me up they got me to look my yeah. car and you know or my my nan fell over in town so there's some really nice things they must be monitoring a little bit more but there are people that overshare I think well, I need a to huge ask you thing. you know I need to ask you about my boyfriend who was looking at porn on his phone and I'm just like why would you want to share that with 33,000 people but you know people better get back on and have a look <laughs> People, I guess, are <laughs> they want to connect, and mm. and it feels like a community. So mm. but that's really interesting. I wanted to ask about your background, where you're from, and how, yeah. you've
0: been here thirty years. And yeah,
2: I'm I'm from originally from Montreal in Canada. Yeah, I lived uh, in Toronto and in the right. prairies. And as I said to you before, I met my husband. He's in the Royal Navy, and we where met. Where you Toronto. meet him in Toronto. in Toronto? Yeah, and so I fell in love and for my sins and came to what did you think when you came here uh well I went from Toronto to Hereford so I went from a city of like three million to a hundred thousand so it was a bit of shock yeah um but I felt at home when I came to Plymouth and I really like the southwest yeah yeah really really love the people in Plymouth and I love um Cornwall I think I just connect with the kind of unpretentiousness of yeah. the people really yeah. yeah and
0: moving i mean you moved fairly late with with your success in in your saying you with you know motherhood coming <laughs> yeah. first before that um is that something that's been possible because of weight? what's made that possible um, i
2: think i just loved writing i didn't really know where i was situated so i was writing short stories and i was doing that and then, as I said to you, I, run, I won a short story competition in a Women in Home magazine, which is pretty big. And then my short story is published in an anthology with people like Lee Child, Jodie Pico. And then I thought, oh, maybe I can do this for a living. Then I had to really learn how to write a novel. And writing a novel is complex. Writing crime is really complex because it's multi layered. So I have. They say you can be a pantser right by the seat of your pants or a planner. I'm going to do a bit of both, but once I have an idea down, so for Benjamin Street, I have a grid. I need to know the days. I need to know, so if she's a probation officer, she can't go into work on a Saturday because there's no going to be no one at work. I need to know the timeline. I need to drop in Easter eggs. So something that happens and I deliberately do it in chapter two is going to reemerge in chapter 10. So you have to kind of track that and i like that i find it fun i Mm. hope readers find it fun because i like doing stuff like that but you know it's plot and character what make your story when you're writing crime Mm. and they kind of interact uh kind of they support each other so it takes a lot of work Mm. but it's enjoyable work and you and you teach (laughs) are you doing that
0: at the moment
2: so I actually work in a university and I do teach some short story writing and, and kind of uh, narrative fiction writing. And I do workshops for kind of local groups. I did one for the um, Central Library. And um, yeah, so I enjoy doing that. Do you have a site or do just people
0: go to the regular um, well, regular sites to get your work?
2: I don't, I'm on Amazon, so they can find okay. my books on Amazon. I, at the moment, I haven't really engaged hugely with the website, but if they want to follow me on Twitter, I'm, I think I'm Louise P. Charland. And because of the Twitter fiasco, I'm also on Instagram under LP Charland Authentic Crime. I'm also, I have a handle on Instagram called Bad Top Buddhist. Well, I just post funny things about Buddhism.
0: I often take a look at people's <coughs> social media and I think, oh yes, I think they're the right type of person <laughs> to be able to take. <laughs> you didn't let me finish um, in the right way, the wrong way, which is the right way. I've got to say that I was just having a good old Google and I saw an article in Plymouth Live, which led me to you. It was your connection to Plymouth, really, yeah. that, that led me to, to come to you, because I wanted to do something local, because um, Ben's not here and I can. Your story is a, a fascinating one, and it also gives people hope, I think. If every, You know the, the saying that everyone's got a book in them? Whenever I say that to Ben, he always goes, "Oh, self-indulgent
2: shit. <laughs> I would say <laughs> they do, but don't underestimate the amount of work it takes, and that's a good thing. But to be a good writer isn't, it's not a God given gift. It's about process. It's about finding how you write. It's about experimenting and it's about graft. You know, they always say the real writing is in the rewriting and the editing. To me, what makes a, I mean, there are some, super, you know, everyone can write, but there's some writers that are superbly talented. But I think it's the hard work that makes a difference. And do you put your that
0: was 2017 that article that I found yeah. the to pick up the thread and find you? Yeah. Do you advertise your your courses?
2: No, I haven't. I, I normally do it through kind of contacts. I did one at Topless Library, so I normally do it through friends but it's something I I really enjoy doing I'm pretty good at it's really person-centered so a lot of my work when I work as with students when I work with other writers uh, even when I worked you know with people uh, as a work and learning coach and people ex-offenders it was always about a compassionate approach and I don't think positive change is possible without compassion uh, and that you have to understand people and approach it from their perspective and be kind. I do that with writers as well and just um but well, I haven't really maybe I'll, I'll I'm thinking about that. Maybe people who do that can get in touch with me and tell me how they do it. Mm. I get in touch. Um you know we could look at doing something online or something at uh maybe at the library if they're local or even at Arts University Plymouth where I work we can set something we up. We also have um, quite a high listenership it varies in Canada.
0: Oh really? So, uh, yeah so yeah. you can um, say big well, hello to all your ex-countrymen. Can, yeah bonjour. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, among,
2: I, think I think they have the same the... dark sense of humour quite often. I, I think they do I mean Canadians are genuinely nice and not because just because I, I always think it's because we're so busy trying to stay warm that we're not interested in competing and we are happy in our own skin and it's really a nice place a lot of my writing is influenced by setting so even though i grew up in suburban canada i could wander 20 minutes from my house in the woods and i in winter you know as a child i could would have frozen to death even 20 minutes from a suburban front door. So, and it it is so unbelievably huge, the country. When I, we lived for a little while in Saskatchewan, which is kind of in the middle of the country. And we drove back from Saskatchewan to Toronto, which is not even at the far. So about a third of the country took five days to drive. So it's unbelievably immense. That's crazy. and, And, the setting is extraordinary. I've stood in the mountains and seen where the the trees end and the rockies start, and there's a sense of the, your powerlessness in, in, in that environment. So one of the things I'm gonna do in the new year is go to North Wales, because I wanna set a murder story in North Wales, because setting will create the atmosphere and this sense of powerlessness not only are you powerless in the face of uh, crime and you know a force that is trying to do you in but you've got nature around you that's also kind of like a character you can feel so, like you're
0: shouting into nothing
2: yeah everything um, the abyss sort of and mm. and it is beautiful but frightening in a in a really cool way and there's a really good story if anyone wants to read it there's two really good stories short stories that really influenced me one is by Jack London and it's called to build a fire and it's about a trapper in the Yukon in the 18th 19th century who gets wet and if he doesn't build a fire when within about 10 minutes he'll freeze to death and that just sums it up and the other one is by Ray Nice relaxing then yeah the other one is by Ray Bradbury it's called the day it rained forever set on Mars and it's a story about um a um, little girl that they say colonized Mars and her, she's a new family there and she's in kindergarten and she's the newbie so she's bullied and in Mars it there's only sun for one hour every thousand years and she's bullied, and they lock her in the cupboard, and she misses the one hour of sunshine. Um, it's beautiful short stories, yeah. really. Um, you know, sci-fi it's things sci-fi. like
0: that that set me off. I know. It's you got
2: to read it. You can find it online. But... Decapitation, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> become desensitised to that, uh, and again, I really don't think I don't have a problem with people that are interested in that we're interested in exploring you know the full expanse of human behavior and experience in a way that's safe for us and it's interesting to understand how people behave and why that's why I write as I'm interested in why people behave the way they do so uh, I think true crime has a real place in an uncertain world it offers us not security but there's usually a resolution isn't there but it offers us a bit of a fantasy escapism slightly dark but you know if you look at some of the disney films <laughs> <you> could... <laughs> my kids always talk about um uh pinocchio when the boys turned into donkeys my daughter's still traumatized by that one so <laughs> oh, it's so sad when you look and you think okay jolly you know
0: here's some popcorn and then you look at their face <laughs> <laughs> and you think oh, oh i try and be a good mother <laughs> louise thank you I we kind of went all over the house didn't we today i know i've really enjoyed it
2: <laughs> me too it was really and actually i didn't
0: record the bit about your avocado plant oh <laughs> so um I just want everyone to know that you've got a successful avocado plant I, which is really
2: impressive you. I, during the first lockdown I stuck a, a, a avocado seed in the back garden and it grew and then I planted it and it's now about two feet tall and he's called Lorenzo a Lorenzo yeah. and
0: Lorenzo is the same age as the podcast
2: Oh, is he? Yes. Well, it kind of represents survival in difficult times. But um, <laughs> congratulations on your podcast. There is an episode I saw that links to something I'm working on, which is really interesting. And I'm quite interested in I'm kind of exploring Jungian archetypes at the moment as well for one of the books I'm doing. And synchronicity fits in there. So, you know, how things just happen to timing. I, I think happens. I've been catching
0: flies with my mouth quite a lot of this conversation. <laughs> that that got one of my gawping faces. So that's pretty
2: huge. So at the moment, I'm just, as I said, I'm just tweaking the final bits for my next book. Yes. And that goes to the agent and then she'll probably come back with more suggestions and they pitch it to publishers and then hopefully a publisher will pick it up. So do you have a rough idea in
0: your head of the publishing date from that? No, it's, it what's
2: going to happen is it goes out. Um, once the agent's happy with it, it goes out and it might be picked up or it might not, though she's really confident about it. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be a series. I've got three books already planned in my head. Yeah. And then I'm writing a book with my mate Bob about... Um oh I can't tell you and then I can tell us later I can then I'm working on a screenplay with my friend Teresa which is Dexter but with girls and then (laughs) and then I will have a conversation with about about you with that one because that's pretty dark okay and okay I might have to come and find you yeah (laughs) and then my North Wales one which is gonna play on Youngian archetypes, King Lear, and a murderer of an English industrialist with the bulk. I'm going to c- have a
0: really strange dream now. Yeah.
2: Louise, thank Bingo. you so much. You
0: know, really, I've had such a nice time talking to you. I know that, that to say that to an author is really like a <laughs> thumbs down, isn't it? Just to say something well, so naff.
2: One of the things, too, when you're a little, when you, one of the benefits, I suppose, or the few benefits about getting older, when you kind of get some success when you're older is you you're not so panicked about having to be perfect and get it right you're just enjoying the ride so that's what I'm doing good I like to hear that thank you for everything you've been
0: just really great so thank thank you. you
2: for inviting me I've had a great time and uh you know hopefully we can do this again
1: Wow, very interesting. Thanks very much indeed for that, Louise, and thanks very much for joining us on the poddo.
0: What did you get from that, Ben?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I what I got from it was that I think that you were massively undersold her with your intro.
0: Well, at least I managed not to massively I think you could have said a lot interview. more to
1: introduce her <laughs> and give and give listeners who hadn't heard anything a big heads up on what it was all about. <laughs>
0: no she was inspirational and she wants to do the the workshops she mentioned about coming back and doing some workshops on how to write crime in the local area I'm going to keep you updated with that and her links are in keep
1: us posted
0: uh, to find to get in contact with her I've put some stuff on put some stuff on our website hang on
1: if I was a writer I'd probably say the last thing I'm going to do is to do a, a sort of like a workshop to let other people be good writers because I'd want to keep it to myself. So I'm the only well, writer. Well,
0: she works at Plymouth Uni. So, and part oh, of her role is, or maybe that's one of her specific roles is is being, advising people on careers. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. But that's why she's just, things down here are different down in the Southwest.
1: Uh-huh. How Southwest, can people I mean.
0: reach us, Ben?
1: A variety of ways which I'm hoping you will now list.
0: One of them is by email, and that's you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. And another is via our Twitter account, YDLMF Podcast.
1: Is everybody still doing Twitter because Elon Musk's ruining it, or is that just a different thing?
0: At YDLMF Podcast. Is he ruining it? Yes, everyone's going to Wankathon or whatever it's called, Masturbator. <laughs>
1: Mastodon. on. Masturbate on. Well, that's where tubing could be.
0: Yes, he'd love it there. You'd love it there too, I think. He'd
1: love it there. <laughs> you he could would. spend your
0: Christmas there. He could
1: get his cock out and masturbate as much as he wants <laughs> and no one would bat an eye. You'd
0: love to be frantically whacking away, wouldn't you? Like a little monkey.
1: <laughs> Hitting the vinegar strokes.
0: <laughs> on that note...
1: Fat, 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 fat. <laughs> what? Not my. His his. He should have a T shirt with the uh, saying "Being on Zoom was not my proudest fap."
0: <laughs> What's a fap?
1: <laughs> Masturbate. Have you not? Have you not seen the "Not my proudest fap" mean?
0: Honestly, you have oh the God, most amount of down expressions. With the kids with no, the... you are. Well, I don't sleep with. I'm
1: much more down with the kids than you are. It's pitiful. I sleep so, with people in my own age bracket, like masturbating. So fapping is like masturbating. And if you ever used to go on those sort of like um, kind of gore sites like ogreish.com or best gore and you'd see somebody sort of, I don't know, being beheaded or having their limbs cut off by a drugs cartel in the Venezuelan jungle or something, somebody underneath would always write, not my proudest fap.
0: Really? So that's what everyone was doing there.
1: That's what everyone was doing in the noughties. They were fapping over best gore.
0: So should we do a, a Christmas do episode?
1: A Christmas, party. and I think I our gift
0: to all our YDLMF chums should be Epstein yeah. further cover-ups for Christmas.
1: Okay, yeah, we can do yeah.
0: that. Okay, all right, lovely. On the
1: first day of Christmas, the podcast gave to me an Epstein. <laughs> Hanging from a treat now.
0: And a poo emoji.
1: <laughs> very good. And that was oh, that with was a broken
0: good. voice that's just about had it. So I'm going to go yeah. and re-pooperate. Used
1: to sing, weren't, you in a band, weren't you in a pop group once as a singer? Almost,
0: yeah, I yeah, used to do a few things like that. <laughs> was it, what was it?
1: Victoria Mitz and the Tone Deafs or something.
0: <laughs> You'd be all right, Mr Defoe.
1: <laughs>
0: Cloth worked. is.
1: Definitely personally. I, I identified very much with the guy in the poo article who was angrily holding up his his earbuds or his his, his um, hearing aids and saying that he'd swimming in the pooey river had given him an ear infection and now he couldn't hear anything. And they were all his what? friends
0: going Your ear ear.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah shut up they're
0: saying. Uh, it's been lovely to see poo.
1: <laughs> and to see poo too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um I'll look I'll look forward to the next Pooh cast Plopcast <laughs> yeah. in another couple Excellent. of weeks. And then, everybody. Bye bye. Who knows what we'll rustle up for that one. Bye.
1: Bye bye. bye.